The AI Today podcast, produced by Cognolytica, cuts through the hype and noise to identify what is really happening now in the world of artificial intelligence. Learn about emerging AI trends, technologies, and use cases from Cognolytica analysts and guest experts. Hello, and welcome to the AI Today podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Mulch. And I'm your host, Ronald Schmelzer. Our guest today is Dr. Satyam Priyadarshi, who is the technology fellow and the chief data scientist at Halliburton. Hi, Dr. Satyam. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Ron. Thank you, Kathleen, for inviting me to this podcast. Looking forward to our conversation. We are as well. So welcome, welcome, Dr. Satyam. We're so excited that you're here with us today. We'd like to start by having you introduce yourself to our listeners, tell them a little bit about your background and your current role at Halliburton. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, um, so I I am currently the technology fellow and chief data scientist, as well as the managing director of Halliburton's India Center in Bangalore uh, uh, for the last uh, six, eight months. But I've been with Halliburton for about six and a half years. Uh, Before that, I was in the internet world, uh, mostly in big data companies. Some of you may know the name AOL and Axiom Corporation Network Solutions. I've worked in those companies before, and I've done some startups in Silicon Valley as well. From a background perspective, I do have a PhD in quantum chemistry or quantum physics, as somebody would like to call it. And uh, I had been in academic world uh, before switching to technology world uh, for, uh, for almost a couple of decades. And now that what I do is uh, trying to transform the energy industry. As a result, uh, bringing the value creation or maximizing the asset value uh, from data, uh, especially the asset that we call data. And that is uh, critical in today's world. Uh, well, great. And this, uh, this, uh, this uh, aspect of um, uh, transformation that we, we want to talk about uh, in details, uh, but at the same time, uh, from a, for those who actually want to be in the field of data, uh, the niche, the people should really think about transforming themselves so that you can actually transform businesses, and that is that is what my whole uh, uh, career has been, going from science to technology to being an executive and back into uh, being a data scientist again. Uh, has been very useful in terms of transforming things. Well, perfect. I, and uh, that's really great that you have that focus on you know data for such a long period of time. And, and we're also spending a lot more time on data. It's kind of funny. It's almost that AI and machine learning is a little bit of a head fake because you think you're talking about one thing about intelligence and all this, but you really spend the majority of your time really talking about data. We're trying to get these systems to really learn from data. So, you know, can you tell us how you see artificial intelligence and machine learning being applied to the energy industry, now with your most current role here at Halliburton, and some unique cases for AI and machine learning technology in the industry? Right. So, uh, number one, you should remember that uh, oil and gas industry or energy industry is a very scientific and engineering-driven industry. So, uh, from the inception, the industry's foundation actually sits on the data that they collect from various operations uh, that uh, are at different levels of complexity and uh, 
different levels of speed, as they call it, the variety of the data comes at different speed. So the industry is actually based on those principles. Now, what we really have to do is what we call data science. That is, uh, those of you who are scientists, they would know that science is a very, uh, uh, very logical thing to do. And when you do science on the data, that is why the word I, I like is data science. The, the reason for that is this. Artificial intelligence is only one component of that data science because our industry has the first principles of the physics and the, and the scientific uh, equations already there. You can do a little bit of uh, statistical or visual analytics, and then you will leverage artificial intelligence. So all these three things have to come together uh, or they are complementary to each other in trying to optimize the value. So, and machine learning is just a subset of artificial intelligence. So if, if I were to give you an analogy, um, artificial intelligence is like word chemistry. We never say that we eat chemistry or we wear chemistry, right? We say we wear clothes, we eat food or we eat uh, medicines, but they are all part of the chemistry. Similarly, artificial intelligence has that, that subject, you can call it, and machine learning is one of that component of it. And then you have various applications of artificial intelligence, whether it is uh, some people like to call it narrow AI, somebody is calling general AI. Now, these are just the flavors of uh, uh, artificial intelligence uh, at the different levels of complexity. Now, when it comes to energy industry, uh, the algorithms of artificial intelligence uh, have been used for over, I would say, 50, 40, 40 years in the industry, but at different level of complexity and with a smaller degree of data. The reason being, and in earlier, it was not easy to connect the data. But with the, with the adoption of cloud technologies, the adoption of uh, uh, API or the uh, and the open source technologies, what has become easier is that you can actually look at large volumes of data, you can look at large, a large variety of data and at a real time speed, if you want to call it that way, because in olden days that was not very easy. So what in last four or five years, you, you will see a lot of articles, people writing about AI being adopted in energy industry, but in principle, they have done it, but now they can actually do at scale. And that is very important because typically the capital expense in the industry is significant. The loss due to non-productive time, as they call it, is significant in runs. Depending on which report you read, the, the total loss in industry will be in billions of dollars due to non-productive time. Now, imagine if... Uh, if you can actually save even even one percent of that non-productive time, that runs into millions. And to find that inefficiencies of that non-productive time is where artificial intelligence comes into play, because we can actually now connect data sets uh, from multiple places and of and of multiple types, and you build these so-called behavioral models to look for inefficiency. And, and this is where uh, today energy industry is actually investing their time and resources to leverage algorithms of artificial intelligence at scale 
come augment it with the first principles or the science and uh, engineering uh, concepts and formulas and and leveraging design thinking uh, to actually create value for our industry. Yeah, that's a great overview and thank you for that. You know, I know that a lot of people you're you're right, sometimes headlines don't always do it justice with what people are actually doing and how you know, various things have been adopted in industry for longer than maybe is reported on. Um, and then kind of following up with that, you know, data is a big part of artificial intelligence and machine learning, being able to, you know, consume that data, learn from that data. So how have you seen the use of data change in the en- energy industry over the past decade or so? Yep. Um, so as I said in the earlier comment that uh, when it comes to algorithms, the industry has been actually uh, using the algorithms uh, at various levels, right? But if you look at just in the data concept, I think there is a report in 2014 uh, from McKinsey and CNBC, uh, because I was part of that uh, discussion, uh, where they commented that uh, the oil and gas industry uses only 1% of data, and it was in the context of IoT. Uh, from my own uh, analysis, uh, uh, the industry has been collecting data quite significantly and hasn't leveraged the value significantly in the past. And this is why I like the term that the data is dark data in the industry. Uh, the goal for a, for industry to actually transform itself in into the industry 4.0 industry 4.0 era is to leverage that dark data and reach a point that the data becomes smart data. So dark to smart data is a journey that industry is taking now. And and if you look at uh, last, say, four years, uh, 2017 onwards, there has been a significant push by different uh, organizations, the companies by themselves, whether it is larger uh, international companies or global companies or national companies uh, to integrate data sets and create value from them sooner than later. And that movement, I think, has taken speed, I would say, since 2019, even faster now. Uh, The word, like I, I like to use the word that I say, it is time for us to accelerate the pace of this digital transformation from data-driven innovation is now. And and I think we are seeing that uh, uh, certainly in the industry. And from from Halliburton's perspective, um, you know, in 2014, we started the industry's first uh, center of excellence for big data, data science, and digital. Uh, And we still lead that space uh, in many ways because we, we built this practice of how do I connect the data both structured data, unstructured data, and uh, of course, semi-structured data. And how do you actually convert that into economic value? And uh, over the last uh, four or five years, we have actually really contributed uh, to the industries are thinking towards it. And we have been uh, uh, like talking about, now we have been talking about how to accelerate that pace of transformation. So I think what you what you will see in the next couple of years, uh, with with the deployment of more and more cloud uh, cloud uh, technologies uh, in in these companies, the use of data will actually increase even faster. Uh, 
well, we know that from experience, one of the things that we uh, announced and deployed in 2016 was what is called openearth.community, which was uh, a approach to what is called open access platform. So people can actually access uh, what is within the right governance framework, the data and the tools so they can build an, what data-driven apps on it easily, unlike a traditional software cycle that exists, which takes a longer. And so building that platform certainly changed the way this data-driven innovation has increased the pace. Yeah, I think I think that's great. Data-driven innovation. I really like that. Could be a good good name for a conference or something. So <laughs> I'm gonna <laughs> keep my eye on it because that's really a lot of what we're talking about. We're trying to trying to extract this more valuable information. You said bringing making dark data smart data, and I really like that. You have a lot of good catchphrases there. We'll have to you may you may hear them on some future uh, podcasts perhaps. So um, I think that's really interesting. Well, one of the other interesting things y- you do as part of of your background, you know, not just your involvement with Halliburton and some of these other organizations that you uh, have shared that you're involved in. Um, but is you, you, you've been involved sort of more at, at the country level, the strategy of, of various countries with regards to their artificial intelligence strategy, something that we've actually been tracking as Cognolytica, part of our research and advisory practice. We track worldwide country-level strategies. We look at how different countries are positioning AI. We actually had a very recent podcast, actually the podcast before this one from an episode perspective, where we were interviewing uh, someone who's involved with Hungary's AI strategy. And uh, we produce our research uh, annually. Uh, we, We produce a report that looks at country by country, their strategy across a variety of factors. And we published one in 2020, and we have one coming up actually in early, uh, the first quarter of 2021. And um, I know that you've been in part of discussions involving the country of Mauritius and helping them craft their AI strategy. So, you know, one, maybe you can provide a little bit of background and insight into what you're doing there. And maybe, you know, how do you see just in general country-level strategies having an impact on the growth and adoption of AI and, of course, at more advanced forms of data analytics as well. Yeah, so, yeah, besides Halliburton, what do I do? I, I'm also an uh, adjunct or a visiting professor at uh, uh, Virginia Tech, uh, uh, Oklahoma State uh, University, and an institute called Nursi Monji in uh, India, Mumbai, uh, as well. And, uh, and I've been a uh, guest lecturer at bunch of universities. Uh, I also get invited to lead the leadership uh, of uh, academics in India uh, to take them to transform the education system uh, as well. So, and plus I, I advise um, some of the startups in this space uh, uh, from not just in oil and gas, but in general, whether it's healthcare. Since my background has been in many other verticals before coming to oil and gas, so I've been engaged with that. I used to be the uh, the pa- president of the DC chapter of Thai, and Thai is one of the largest uh, entrepreneurial network in the world, uh, based out of Silicon Valley, the headquarters. But I was a president for the DC chapter for two years, so I have this a little bit of my foot in entrepreneurship as well. But uh, more on the advising side, you know, I, I was invited to join the Mauritius Artificial Intelligence Council last year uh, after I met the 
minister of technology in singapore uh, at a, at a conference and uh, that's when the discussion has started like what can we do so our first thing this was before the council was formed so um, I, i was fortunate enough to contribute to actually see how how should we think about it the prime minister of the country has put away vision for uh, mauritius 2030 and uh, how would artificial intelligence play a role into that vision uh, and so he needed some advisors so he wanted to form a group and that group was then eventually formed and it was called the council for artificial intelligence and uh, we are a group of um, uh, call senior leaders from the country of mauritius from various companies uh, head of business uh, organizations and few people from uk and i think i'm if to, to the to the best of my knowledge i think i'm the only cu- current american on that uh, uh, council uh, the goal goal of the council is that what areas where artificial intelligence can benefit uh, in terms of scaling the things or reducing the cost for example some of the areas that are important for con- nation uh, c- country like mauritius is agriculture transportation tourism right uh, and uh, healthcare because uh, uh, if you look at it these are similar to other in other other countries have been have been in discussions with some other countries as well uh, and uh, if you look at it most of them are actually thinking around it the the challenge is it's not about the whether artificial intelligence will create value or not the question is how best to actually implement it in, in a way that the citizens actually can benefit of benefit from it then actually be fearful 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 of it right and that, that requires a that requires what is uh, called uh, the word i call talent uh, transformation because that means uh, your people have to start thinking differently as well one is you can train people from school into these areas of artificial intelligence which is a re- which your talent is ready but what about the senior leadership what about the uh, political side what about the uh, business side leaders who have to think about implementing uh, uh, solutions based on artificial intelligence so one of the components of this uh, strategies as you can call it or the vision document is to look at how do i transform my talent to, uh, that is ready to uh, adopt and adapt to artificial intelligence revolution and uh, this is this is across uh, multiple uh, areas uh, or multiple geographies um i i do similar kind of uh, work uh, in india at a different level uh, and of course uh, uh, and through the entrepreneurial network that i am engaged in uh, and i think you know uh, first thing is the understanding of artificial intelligence um, uh, both from a technical point and then second from the business value point and the third from the legal and the governance or ethical point of view uh there is la- so I, i i actually contribute little bit on the ethics uh, ethics of artificial intelligence uh, uh through uh, through some of my friends who are in the legal world in india uh, as well uh, so these are some of the activities that keep me out of trouble um, i i'm also um, uh, the the next uh, areas of interest uh, for me personally since i have a background in quantum uh, physics uh, is to see how we can actually combine the two 
there is some effort going on in the area of computational chemistry, which is what I used to uh, run for many years, uh, as to like how we can leverage uh, some of the uh, aspects of artificial intelligence combined with the quantum chemistry problems for for either personalized medicines or uh, or different other uh, chemical related uh, chemistry related challenges. Yeah, you know, I mean, we've covered this uh, report now for, we produced it in 2020, and we're producing a update to that report in 2021. And the amount of countries that are now thinking about this and are developing a country-level strategy, having conversations around this, has really grown. And I think that that's something tremendous to see because everybody, you know, we say that AI is a transformative technology, and I think that it really is, and everybody is understanding that. I know that you have such a rich background, so um, you know they're lucky to have you on their on their committee. We always like to end podcasts with asking each guest this question because we always get such a rich and diverse answer. As a final note, what do you believe the future of AI is in general and its applications to organizations and beyond? Yes, yeah, so. I don't know about the future of AI, but I would call it the uh, our future based on AI, <laughs> right? Uh, artificial intelligence is here and it's been here for 60 years. Uh, its applications are that what are changing our future. And I think to a large extent, uh, artificial intelligence driven solutions uh, will impact uh, humanity in a very positive manner. Uh, for example, uh, maybe in our lifetime, we may really see uh, personalized medicine uh, available to us uh, uh, for various, at least uh, some percentage of the disease that exists, uh, possibly provide uh, artificial intelligence-driven uh, equipment uh, for, for senior citizens. Uh, where they need it so that their life can be uh, self-sustaining and not dependent on too many people. Uh, then, as we already know, that it's been implemented in the transportation system uh, across uh, in these uh, autonomous cars and things like that. But I think it can go beyond that. Uh, uh, and then, of course, uh, hopefully we will see some of these uh, possibly the right kind uh, artificial intelligence applications in the education sector because the speed uh, speed of learning has to be vastly different from what it was 50 years ago and what it is now. And uh, how do you actually achieve that? I think that that will be impacted by uh, the solutions that will be based on uh, different algorithms of artificial intelligence. Uh, the if we look at um, go further into deep in the space, I think there will be significant significant value to be created there. Uh, and uh, I I think uh, and I believe that maybe in 10, 15 years we might see something more uh, compact, uh, so to say, satellites or satellite-like objects that could be uh, roaming the space to find species on other planets, who knows? Uh, because um, the the main part of 
artificial intelligence scalability comes from the technology underneath it, which is edge computing, the cloud computing, and the access to data in real time. When, when you combine those things, uh, it's it's up to our imagination how much we can actually take advantage of it. So it, for almost every business or every industry, those who will be slow in adopting artificial intelligence-based solutions, I think um, their existence could be uh, could be questionable. And the more important part that's happening is like we talk about Industry 4.0 era now, but already discussions on Industry 5.0 and Industry 6.0 is already started because today we are we are doing human dominated machine communication. Next will be machine to machine communication. And then in the 6.0, it will be human machine to machine communication where machine to machine communication could be actually bigger and that will be largely driven by artificial intelligence solutions. So we are we are almost uh, we should be actually thinking about it now and uh, implement the right solutions to remain viable uh, in 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 the business world. Well, that's good. Well, I I can tell you, there's definitely a lot of companies that are still stuck in industry 3.0. <laughs> they barely yeah. haven't haven't even made it to industry 4.0. Ah, we have some per- personal experiences. Maybe maybe yep. at some point we'll we'll share those in our podcast. But there are there are companies that are still and organizations that are still heavily overly uh, burdened by by very inefficient human and paper bound processes. And even as limited as AI capabilities are today in narrow applications, doing those things with automatic you know handling of documents and natural language processing and chatbots and conversational systems. Uh, you know, just, just could add so many, so much value. I, th- I wish some of these companies that are so slow would just like listen to all of our podcasts and, and realize that the world is going to leave them behind. And I think it's really great to hear from uh, Dr. Satyam here to to hear how how he, you're on the on the forefront. You're kind of where where the organizations are going to be. And and if you've really enjoyed hearing that, you know, I, you can actually hear more from Dr. Satyam Priyadarshi because he's going to be speaking at our upcoming machine learning life cycle event, which is coming up uh, January 26th through 28th, 2021. Of course, an online event, just like our Data for AI conference was. And it's a little bit of a preview because he'll be speaking about some of these issues and talking a little bit about kind of where this future is. I'd, I would encourage you to, t- to talk a little bit about Industry 5.0 and 6.0 and kind of how a lot of that's going to be enabled by uh, machine learning and AI and more advanced forms of, of analytics. Um, and if you're interested in taking a look at that machine learning lifecycle event, you can actually go to mllifecycleconf.com and you can take a look. The agenda is uh, being added to as we speak on this podcast, but by the time you hear this, uh, you'll see a whole lot more on there. We encourage you to register. Attending all of our conferences are always free, so definitely should participate. We we bring some of the best thought leaders, and we really look to advance uh, your understanding and state of the market. So it's really very important. So I think this podcast was fantastic, and we really enjoyed having you as a guest uh, here on the AI Today podcast, Dr. Satyam. Thank, thank you, Ron. Thank you, Kathleen, for inviting me. Yeah, thank you so much. And I know that Ron just plugged our event, 
that's coming up with you. So we are very excited to be talking with you again at that event. Go to mllifecycle.conf.com so that you can register and uh, check out our full lineup. I'll also make sure to link to that in the show notes. And listeners, if you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, please make sure to rate us on iTunes, Google, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. As always, I'll post any articles and concepts discussed in the show notes, as well as a link to our upcoming event. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you at the next podcast. And that's a wrap for today. To download this episode, find additional episodes and transcripts, subscribe to our newsletter, and more, please visit our website at cognolitica.com. Join the discussion in between podcasts on the AI Today Facebook group. And make sure to join the Cognolytica Facebook page for updates on this and future podcasts. Also subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Google Play, and elsewhere to get notified of future episodes. Want to support this podcast and get your message out to our listeners? Then become a sponsor. We offer significant benefits for AI Today sponsors, including promotion in the podcast and landing page, and opportunities to be a guest on the AI Today show. For more information on sponsorship, visit the Cognolytica website and click on the podcast link. This sound recording and its contents is copyright by Cognolytica. All rights reserved. Music by Matsu Gravas. As always, thanks for listening to AI Today, and we'll catch you at the next podcast.